This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome into the Gig'em 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Carter Carls, here to preview Texas A&M and South Carolina on Saturday at 11 a.m. on ESPN inside Kyle Field. And boy, do both teams need a win in, in the worst way. A&M coming off back-to-back losses to Alabama and Tennessee. South Carolina's lost three straight. And bowl eligibility is a little shaky there. So a uh, big one for, for both teams on Saturday afternoon. And Carter and I here to break it all down. Carter, how you doing, buddy? Good, man. I'm excited to finally have football back this week. Uh, those bye weeks can sometimes feel like forever, so it's uh, good to be back. Yeah, for A&M, it sure has felt like an eternity to be able to get back on the field. We'll talk about that. Has had some struggles recently on the recruiting trail and a chance to kind of start to get back on track on Saturday against the Gamecocks. Starting there, just how important is this game for AM just in terms of sitting at four and three now, two and two in conference, coming off losses to Alabama and Tennessee? Like where where are we at in terms of the importance of this game? Yeah, really important. I mean, I think uh there's nothing AM can do in this game to maybe excuse previous games this season or previous losses. Yeah. There's nothing they can win 77 to nothing and people still say, hey, they're five and three. Hey, they still lost three games. Yeah. But if you're looking at the rest of the season, if you're looking onward to next season, a big convincing win this weekend can be the start of something. I mean, their schedule, you'd like to think they should pounce on South Carolina. They should pounce on Mississippi State. And they should pounce on Abilene Christian. That's three out of your last five games. The two big ones. On the road at Ole Miss, at LSU, two very good teams. Road games, AM hasn't been good on the road last couple of years under Jimbo Fisher. But again, you you win big this weekend and you show, hey, we learned some things in the bye week. We made some changes. We we're doing this differently. And hey, maybe Max Johnson has figured it out. And now Evan Stewart's gotten it going and the the punter, Nick Constantino, is not a problem anymore. You know, if, if they can show a few of those things, then you can say, okay, well, shoot, man, a win over Ole Miss, and you're in business. So, but you come out sluggish, you do poorly on offense, all the same problems are still the same problems. If you win by 10 and it's just an, a bud ugly 17 to 6 kind of game, like, man, this fan base, I, I, I'm i already kind of like, oh, man, I hope that doesn't happen because we'll be hearing all from them, and it won't be a great time on the message boards. But uh, 
I think A&M should win sound lead. But, yeah, how they win, how it looks, that's going to be very important for the rest of the season. No doubt. I think this kind of this kind of sets the tone, right, for the second half of the year. This this is when you look at that, that Ole Miss game coming up next week. Those are the types of games you have to win. A&M. You know, I know it's 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 when you look at those Alabama and Tennessee games, right? And and we've we've talked about them at nauseum on the on the board. A and M led it at the half in both those games and scored six combined points in the second half. So for me, that's the biggest thing is you want to see A and M put four quarters together. And that's cliche, but it's true. They've scored six points total in the last two games in the second half. And so you want to see them start fast and kind of be able to control this game with, with Ole Miss coming up because you're right. I mean, as you're sitting at four and three now, you beat Ole Miss with winnable games coming up against Mississippi State and Abilene Christian. You could easily be walking into, you know, Tiger Stadium a month from now with, with A&M sitting at A and three, but it starts with beating South Carolina, playing well, starting to get things going. And I think it starts with getting the running game going, you know, looking at some of the stats for this game. AM's 4-0 when they run rush for over 100 yards and 0-3 when they don't rush for over 100 yards. And I think it that's, you know, you can say, oh, well, they, they you know, of course when you run the ball well that, you know, you're going you're gonna to have success. But I think it has, it has an effect on the rest of the offense, right? It has an effect on Max Johnson. We've talked about how they need to protect Max Johnson better and, and Max Johnson needs to play better as well. You start to get the running game going a little bit. That starts to maybe slow down the pass rush, and and you can control the game from there. And so, I think it does start with that that running back group of Le'Veon Moss, Amari Daniels, and Ruben Owens, and getting them going and and seeing if that maybe jump starts his offense a little bit. Yeah, you talk about the run game and 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 helping Max Johnson. I I think that's the biggest thing to me is. We know who Max Johnson is. We know his limitations. We know his capabilities. We know what he's good at. Uh, we know that when supported, he can be fairly decent. He can be a power five starter caliber quarterback for you. But if you're not setting the guy up to succeed, I don't care, man. I don't care if he's great, feeling great that day. Like he's just not going to have success because they haven't put him in, in position. And, you know, I saw a stat uh, this week. Uh, I think it was Clark Brooks, uh, SEC stat cat. Is that what he calls himself? Or I, I don't think know. So. Uh, but he said that A and M ranks lowest in the SEC in pre-snap motion. And you know, you look at this offense. Not a lot of pre-snap motion. Not a lot of play action. Not a lot of RPO. Not a lot of quick game. It's almost as if they are calling plays like they got the best offensive line and the best quarterback back there. It, it, it's, not, it's not an adjustment to what has happened to this team, uh, having a bad offensive line and, and having a, a limited quarterback uh, who's not as mobile and, and doesn't have as quick of a release. And so you, you got to change things up. you got to adjust to what has happened to you. you got to realize, hey, our, our right tackle is a problem. Hey, our center – is a problem. Hey, our quarterback isn't as mobile. You know, sending these receivers off on twenty yards route, twenty yard routes down the field, and having these slow developing plays, and running into the brick, running into a brick wall on early downs, and setting yourself up for third and long. Like these are things that 
any quarterback would struggle with if they didn't have a running game and and they just weren't adequately supported. And so schematically, I want to see are there like first of all, we want to see if there's changes as far as lineups go. Is Bryce Foster still at center? Is Chase Passana still at right tackle? You know that those sort of things. Um, but schematically, we heard all offseason, pre-snap motion, pre-snap motion. There's been none of it this season. Uh, we heard all yeah. offseason about, you know, tempo and stuff. Like, we just haven't seen that. We really haven't seen the Bobby Petrino fingerprints on this offense like we thought we would. And maybe it's as simple as, hey, you lost your starting quarterback and that changes things. But you've got to help this guy, and they're just not doing it. So what did they learn in the bye week? that they can apply, that can begin to show that, hey, they're supporting Max Johnson. No doubt, and I think it, it, you, you might have to change up your tendencies, right? You might have to start throwing a little more on early downs to kind of keep, keep defenses on their toes, and, that, and maybe that opens things up a little bit. Just become a little less predictable, you know, and, and maybe it's using motion. Maybe it's, you know, we saw, we saw in, in fall camp maybe some reverses to Evan Stewart, try to get the ball in his hands that way and get yeah. him on the perimeter. Some of those sorts of things that just kind of slow a defense down a little bit because I think A&M's defense can have a ton of success. I think that's a bad matchup for South Carolina. You look at Spencer Rattler at home completing over 85% of his passes now. Granted, they've got four home games coming up after this, and so small sample size, but you look at – his road numbers, not great, completing 63% of his passes, one touchdown throw, four interceptions against – they've gone to Missouri, to Georgia, to Tennessee, and a neutral site game against Florida. And so, uh, you know, I think – I think or North Carolina, sorry, they've got Florida to, to go. But, uh, you know, you look, at, you look at that offensive line that's coming in from South Carolina – Giving up 30 sacks on the season, that's obviously been a huge uh, strength for A&M. And so, a, they, you know, South Carolina's not done a great job running the ball. A lot of those areas, I feel like, kind of play into A&M's hands, and it really comes down to can they get an early lead? Can they force Spencer Rattler into uh, obvious passing situations and get after him? And, you know, because I think, I think you have to understand, too, that Xavier Leggett's probably going to have a couple big plays here and there. That He's, he's one of the best receivers in the country, and, and he's going to get his, his plays. But can you, can you keep that to a minimum? Can you keep those big plays to a minimum, I think, is a key. And if, if A&M could do that, I really think this is a winnable game. But it's a game they got to go out and do it, and they got to win that game. And, and it, it's a game you should win, and you've got to do it convincingly. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this uh, stat here. Since Steve Spurrier left South Carolina, the Gamecocks are 9-23 in SEC road games. We think A&M is bad on the road. <laughs> Honestly, A&M actually might be worse than that on the road for all we know. <laughs> I mean, we've won a game since 2021. But South Carolina is just as bad, if not worse, yeah. on the road for a long time. Uh, we've seen A&M, South Carolina, and Kyle Field many a time it's not going well for the Gamecocks. And you mentioned the matchups. I mean, there's really not one that you look at that you say, oh, South Carolina has the advantage, except the potential that, hey, Spencer Rattler has one of those games. You know, he's had a few of them in his career. Uh, yeah. Leggett, you know, has one of those games against this struggling A&M secondary. Um, 
that's really the, the key matchup I would say uh, to, to look at. And, you know, the secondary, they're starting to mix things up. We saw some Sam McCall against Tennessee. Um, I think he played 16 defensive snaps that game. Part of that was because Bryce Anderson was out with an injury. Uh, we think he'll be back. Uh, he was practicing last week, so should be back Saturday. But DeBerry was in his place at nickel, so you saw some Deuce Harmon. You saw some Sam McCall. Uh, we've seen Deuce Harmon in recent weeks. He's He's been okay, but, but not great. Uh, I think at this point they'll take okay at cornerback. Uh, mm-hmm. But – you know, it's I don't know how you feel about this, Andrew. I think a lot of people have mentioned this. You know, why not put DeBerry at nickel and put Bryce Anderson at safety? You know, Bryce Anderson makes sense. It makes sense. Like he's he's been our he's been good at nickel, but he hasn't been the dynamic player we thought he'd be at nickel this season. Yeah, and I think at safety, a position that hasn't been very good for AM this season. Maybe he gives you something there. And DeBerry, we know he can be a good uh, nickel corner. I just think maybe without Tony Grimes in the mix, they're like, man, if we put DeBerry at nickel, you're putting Harmon and McCall and these guys that aren't ready at, at, at uh, outside. I, I don't know how you feel about that, but I, I do wonder if that's another thing that they may test. I think it's a wrinkle to at least try and see where it goes. And, and you know you can sure you can potentially shore up a couple a couple areas and because I think I think you've got a guy and you've got to find a way to get more production out of Josh DeBerry. I think he's he's a guy in the secondary. You need to get more production out of him, and you need to find a place to get him comfortable and get him get him in a good spot. And I and I think go from there. So um, certainly I agree with you. I think that's going to be one of the big matches to matchups to watch is Spencer Rattler against this Texas A&M secondary. Uh, big one coming up. Where we'll be here certainly to, to break it down next week, um, 11 a.m. inside Kyle Field. But we got more to, to cover on the back half of this show. We're going to talk a little recruiting. We're going to talk a little Texas A&M basketball. Um, plenty of news coming out there this week as well. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after a quick break. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel. Streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back into the Gigam 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Carver Carl. As we mentioned before the break, big game for, for a lot of reasons a and going to have 
a lot of commits back in town. And, you know, I think they've got a lot of work to do stabilizing this class. You know, you're starting to see some of those 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 cracks in the armor a little bit. We've seen it the last couple of weeks. Draylon Miller was the first one to decommit uh, the Tuesday after the Tennessee game. And, um, you know, South, uh, USC, Georgia, Colorado, LSU are some of the schools in there. Him, Terry Bussey, and Gabriel Relaford went to Baton Rouge um, the weekend while A&M was in Knoxville. And then on Thursday night, another one, uh, Weston Davis decommitted or flipped right away to, to LSU. And so um, that's a big blow for A&M up front. He was a guy that they they kind of sensed that maybe things were a little bit shaky. Steve Adazio went out to his game last Friday and, you know, to try to keep – keep him in the fold, but I think it just speaks to where things kind of are right now. You, you look every week and, and, you know, Tristan Jernigan's a big one for me. He's coming in this week and he's got an official coming up to Alabama. Dylan Evans has an official visit scheduled to Alabama um, and, and Florida for next month. You just look and, and for me, it's, it, and we were talking before the show, right? If you look at A&M's offensive line class right now, you've got Ashton Funk, you've got Blake Ivey, Papa Fua, and you've got Cohen Eccles. Uh, Blake Ivy, schools aren't going to give up on him either. LSU and Texas were a couple of the finalists for him. You're going to, I'm sure you're going to see them continue to, to pick away at him, at him and, and, you know, with, with A&M struggles on the field, that's kind of the momentum that they, they've been able to kind of take advantage of and seize. Uh, and they're, they're looking to strike while the iron's, Hot, you know, these next couple of weeks. That's why we mentioned if you beat South Carolina and you beat Ole Miss, suddenly things start to quiet down a little bit when you're you're six and three. Cohen Eccles, Auburn has been in there. You know, when when I look at it, I I just think the results on the field need to match what the pitch was from 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 the A and M staff in the off season, and it starts with winning games. That's what these kids ultimately want. Um, production on the field at their position, and you know, you look at look at the linebacker room, those guys have taken notice of what Edger and Cooper's done. And so you see they are watching, they are taking note of what their position group is doing. And we've talked about the offensive line has been one of the biggest struggles this year under Steve Adazio. And so, uh, you know, schools have been kind of able to take advantage of that. And, and Weston Davis is, is the latest example. Yeah, one, one position group you do not want to lose is offensive tackle. You're the yeah. Aggies right now. There's really two different ways to look at this because I think everything, like you mentioned, is kind of hanging in the balance. Uh, A&M finishes well, then you can keep these commits. You can build confidence the next season. You can have the narratives kind of help your favor. I mean, the narratives right now, I mean, you, everywhere you look, there's Jimbo Fisher hot seat all over the, the Internet. That That's not good to have. Uh, for your program that to have that un, uncertainty. And so, hey, they can get this together. They can figure it out. They can finish strong. Or it could go the other way. You know, this is kind of what we saw in Jimbo Fisher's last year at Florida State with kind of the people jumping off the, the sinking ship. And I think the one thing with Jimbo Fisher right now that has people still believing in him is what he does as a recruiter and what he does yeah. as a, a talent acquirer. You know, they say, yeah, the guy's a bad in-game coach. Yeah, the guy 
doesn't really manage roster that great. It's kind of a Mario Cristobal situation where it's like, eh, there's a lot of things about this guy we're not crazy about. But look at all this talent. Look at all these recruiting classes, top five, top ten, every single year. Well, if you start to lose that, if this class finishes 19th, 15th, you know, and players are going in the transfer portal at the end of the season, there's nothing positive to look at then there. Because I think that's the one thing you say, you got to keep the guy around because you could bring everyone back next year. You could have one of the most talented teams in college football again. You're going to have another great class, et cetera, et cetera. But if you lose all those things, oh boy, there's not much more to kind of stick on there. So these next few weeks are important because to me, I'm not looking at – I'm obviously looking at it as, hey, can they keep Cameron Coleman and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Very bussy, you know. But can they keep Evan Stewart? Can they keep Connor Wigman? Can they keep, you know, Torian York? These guys. Because in the age of the transfer portal and NIL and all that stuff, you have to worry about that every season. People always say, well, you know, it's all about next season. But really, it's about this season right now because – if you finish seven and five, six and six, if it looks ugly at all, that could be enough to tip the scales and, and have people leave your program. So right now I think everything hangs in the balance. I think AM can 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 plug in the holes and, and fix the, the ship from from sinking, prevent it from happening. But the South Carolina game, I'm telling you, they come out bad and they lose this game. Oh my God, if they lose this game, I'm telling you, it could get bad in a hurry. So it's really important they come out and they win convincingly. I kind of told people this after the Miami game and when when folks were asking, okay, well, you know, oh boy, here we go. And I said, you know, AM lost their margin for error, most of their margin for error at that time. And obviously losing to, to Alabama and Tennessee. You know, it's, it's tough losses. The environment at Alabama, I I think was is gonna you know was gonna make for a good experience for a lot of kids. But they want to see you win that game. They want to see you be able to get over the hump and win a game like that. Tennessee, I think that one was that that one was the particularly big blow because you kind of saw the same sort of thing happen the next week. And then you and 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 I mentioned a pre buy against Tennessee. You wanted to be able to beat Tennessee and head out on the road five and two, be able to go recruit on the road with that mark. You, you got the Tennessee win to kind of sell and then the back half of the year. When they lost that game, it kind of went into a situation where you were in basically damage control, putting out fires. Um, and, and you know, you've got a lot of commits that are scheduling visits elsewhere. Gabriel Relaford's another one. He'll be at USC on November 4th. So, you know, you look at, at – I, I agree with you, but – on the on the South Carolina game, it starts with winning this game and putting on a good performance. When you're going to have a lot of those recruits back in town for this game, you have a chance with them right there to make a good good showing. Uh, kind of spend some more time with them and start to to kind of you know steady the ship a little bit. And then that Ole Miss game, if you win that game, yeah, you're right. A and M can can be sitting here at eight and three heading into the LSU game. And then I think they're in 
fine shape, but they've got to they've got to deliver and they got to win the games, and that's the that's the biggest point. Wanted to also get your thoughts on, uh, you know, we're we're starting to look at now. We're into uh, late October. Basketball season's right around the corner, and Texas A and M had a uh, media day on Thursday. Some some I, I think surprising news that Buzz Williams shared and. What were some of the what were some of the other big takeaways that you you had from the day? Yeah, I mean, this A and M basketball team really has a chance to be a team for the ages. Uh, yeah. I, I like to say that about special team, a team for a, the ages, and I think this team has that capability. They have a team. They have a team that could be better than the 07 AC Law team. A team that could be better than the two Sweet Sixteen teams that that Billy Kennedy had here. Uh, just, you know, in recent memory off the top of my head. But um, they're bringing everybody back. They got the preseason SEC Player of the Year, Wade Taylor. Uh, Tyrese Radford was second-team All-SEC here. And then you added some pretty good transfers. Really, the, the two that I like the most are Jace Carter and uh, Eli Lawrence. You know, Jace Carter is a pretty good shooter, a longer guy. Eli Lawrence, you know, pretty good scorer. Could be a double-digit scorer for you this season. Kind of helping you replace that production from from Dexter Dennis last season. And um, I just think this culture, being around this team, I, I noticed it right away last season uh, when I started covering them. They just have such an amazing culture. I mean, you, you see how the guys joke around with each other and and just how they interact, how comfortable they are talking and, and uh, how much they praise Buzz and his culture. Like, these guys are fully bought in, and they already have the chemistry that, that you want because I think this team last season was a little bit behind. They were trying to figure things out. They had some newcomers. Wade Taylor was just trying to figure things out. It was his second year. And first year, really, in the, the kind of uh, primary featured role for this team. Well, now all these roles are, for the most part, settled, and they kind of know what they've got. And I, I think that'll be huge for them early on, especially with such a tough non-conference schedule. Uh, the one knock uh, you mentioned, uh, uh, Julius Marble, Buzz announced, was uh, going through a university process, is what he called it. It sounded like a some sort of suspension or some sort of, you know, uh, I don't, I don't, you know, you don't want to speculate. It could be academic related. Right. It could be, could be anything. It could be anything, right? And but what we know was he wasn't at the scrimmage against Baylor last uh, Friday. Didn't compete in it, and he wasn't at media day on Thursday. So he's away from the team right now. Uh, you know, it's hard to have a hard opinion on it because, Hey, he could be out two games and come right back. Uh, or he could be out for the season. Um, this is a very important player for A&M though. Obviously was a starter, started 30 games last year, average about nine points, four or five rebounds. But what I loved about marble was he brought kind of, he, he kind of had that dog in him in the paint where he could take over big stretches of games where, you know, every game he may not have a huge impact, but there would be, there were a handful, there were maybe a dozen or so games last year where he was a big reason they won. And he just absolutely took over a game 
Um, and, you know, there were times where Henry Coleman would struggle and he would pick up the slack or vice versa. Um, he was huge for them on the boards, obviously. Just was kind of your throwback, back to the basket. Uh, Big guy bruiser down there and and yeah. they added another one at Wilden's Levesque from uh from UMass but Marble was so huge in that regard so they'd have to replace them with you know and hope that Anderson Garcia is taking the next step maybe a- added some you know uh off- more offense to his game they'd have to hope that Solomon Washington who really started to emerge late in last season as a freshman could he yeah. take that next step he was the one who started in the scrimmage uh, against Baylor and then Wildens, you know, very experienced guy, played a lot of games at South Carolina and UMass, kind of your bruiser down low. Um, obviously Henry will be uh, the other starter there, but it's a, it's a big loss just because again, he's, he's not going to be a top three player on your team, maybe the whole year, but there's going to be a dozen or so games where he is the reason why you won the game. No doubt, and I think I think if it's short-term absence, obviously you can kind of withstand that. Although A and M plays a tough non-conference schedule this year, and so uh, maybe not the margin for error you might have had in the past. But I think if it's a short-term loss, you can get by with Solomon Washington and Anderson Garcia and feel okay there. You have got an experienced player in Wilden Levesque as well, so um, going to be a story to monitor for sure, and and we will. Certainly have you covered with all the latest over on Gigum 24-7 as more comes out on on that front. Um, we'll see when we do get more. It, it sounded like a very uncertain kind of timeline and 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 just kind of letting the process play out. So with that, we're going to go ahead and, and sign off here. Um, thanks again for joining us. As a reminder, if you are not subscribed to the YouTube channel, you definitely should be to get a notification every time a new video drops. Just hit that subscribe button and do the same on Spotify and iTunes to get a notification every time a new video drops. For those of you heading out to Kyle Field, enjoy it. Um, Have a great one and uh, checking out some Aggie football, and and we will be back next week to break down the game and look ahead to uh, to Ole Miss. So with that, everyone, have a great weekend. CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.